Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. Big episode today. It's been a big year, as I always say. Can't wait to have uh, this show out for many reasons because he's a good friend of mine. Um, And before I do introduce him, I just want to thank everyone for coming along because you guys have been growing this podcast this year. Every episode, the numbers are getting better, so I can't thank you enough. Obviously, last week with Jimmy Crute, it was a belter of an episode. If you haven't seen that, go back and check it out because as soon as I mentioned uh, his next fight in the UFC, the blood started boiling in here. And he was, I felt like he was going to hit me, Braden, but nonetheless, it was a great episode. And for anyone new here, please give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. And for the regulars that come back, you guys are the heartbeat of the podcast. So we thank you. Now, no further ado, it's uh, the great man, Tommy Bug, third time on the show, the <laughs> most regular. Mate, it's a pleasure to be on here. I think we were just talking before, yeah, third third time in under 100 apps. And you could be like, you may make an appearance for the 100th as well. So. I'll, like, so. like, I'll, I'll put the time in. Yeah, I don't know. Guys at, at home as well and girls, like, what, I don't know, what what should I do for the 100th Yeah, maybe you should ask. Ask the audience. Yeah, what, what like if it was your show, what would you do, do you reckon? I think a group session. I think group the group session? sessions you've done have, have done really well, so. Yeah, man. How's uh, how's life going anyway, man? How are you? Yeah, everything's going really well. Um, I mean, we've been spending a fair bit of time together. Lately. <laughs> I know, man. Um, it's great. But in terms of uh, you know life in general, everything's going really well. Just uh, feel really settled um, from a work point of view. Everything's going well, and then feel like I've just slowed down a little bit over the last six months. Um, yeah. You know, but for a good reason. Like- yeah, I think just focusing on work um, for me, and then training. I think everything starts from the gym for mm. me. Um, you know, routine. Um, consistency, and then I think everything builds from there. So it's been good. A bit, f- spending a fair bit of time back back home, uh, which is around the Pakenham region. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my whole family's out there. So I've spent a fair bit of time out there, and my sister's got uh, two young, identical twin girls. So oh, really? Yeah, two beautiful girls. It's it's good. What did you say? Unidentical? Up. No, identical. Identical. So what the fuck? Does identical. That mean? I think I said that. <laughs> did he? Um, okay, right here. Yeah. So they're cute, and it's 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 good seeing them grow up, and it just uh, yeah, it's good. It's just slowing things down a little well, bit. Well, man, it's pretty weird, like because you're an uncle now, and we're both thirty. Yeah, no, that's wild, isn't it? Fuck, that's right. wild. Do you feel yeah. like, and we're both single, <laughs> just throw that out there. Do you feel, do you feel like anyone's tapping you on the shoulder yet? Like family-wise being like, Tommy, hey, uh, or not really. Maybe it's a bit different when you're not, a guy. Not yet, not too much. I mean, mum's always been on my back, I think. But I think for me, you know, it's a big commitment, you know, you're committing for the next, what, 60, 70 years. Yeah, so it's a big call. It's, it's a big one. So, um, you know, I think for me, like work's been the priority for the past few years. Um but who knows? Yeah, thirty is it's it's a number, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> it's, right. Do you feel so, any different? Like no, I don't. Enough? I don't. I've, I've, I mean, the hangover is a bit worse, but yeah. I think in terms of, um, I still got a lot of energy. I still feel you know eighteen, nineteen. The only thing bit. that feels different to me is when I tell people I'm thirty. They look at me like, well, he's a he's a proper adult. You try to well, apparently you try to avoid that question. Yeah, yeah, I know. I see now. I see why because people look at you differently. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Oh. No, nah, some of my, I hang out with mates that are, you know, 27, 28. So I feel like. Yeah, that's true. Hanging oh, out with some yeah, hanging younger around, crowd. Hanging around the same crew. Yeah. Um, now, obviously you would have watched the Jimmy Crude episode, of course, but because you're a, such a big UFC nut and you kind of got me into the UFC as well, because I mean, Con- naturally Conor McGregor was getting everyone into the UFC, but around the time Conor was super hot and towards his sort of like, once he was the double champ, you actually went to a few of his fights and so forth. 
Um, and not a lot of people know like how much you love the UFC, but I want to go into that because like, when did you get that connection to that sport? Yeah, I think I've always enjoyed fighting in general, boxing, um, MMA, um, you know, in a, in a large, large scope, not just the UFC in general, but I think the UFC's market themselves really well as being the number one, um, MMA company in the world. Um, but I think the love for UFC, it's, it's more a love for, you know, everything that comes with it, the training, um, you know, the mentality and, you know, I, I followed it a lot when I played football just because of the obsession that they had with their, you know, their own performance and training. Mm. Um, but I think the, my first memory of kind of watching it was early days with some John Jones fights, but took a, just a strong interest in it. And then, you know, obviously any Australian fighter, um, you know, I've watched their journey along the way and yeah, Connor's a big one. I've got to meet him. Like we, I think we ran through on the last episode. Um, so I got to meet him in LA. I've met Izzy before, um, met Bam before. And then obviously Jack, um, you know, yeah. you're super close with Jack and then yeah. met him a few times as well. So I just think, uh, you know, I think it's entertaining. I think it's, it's, it's not just a sport. It's not just a sport. Um, yeah, it's got the entertainment side of things, which a lot of American sports do have and something yeah. that I feel like here in Australia, we really lack a bit. Um, so it's cool. It's good to watch. Yeah. The thing is funny that one of the quotes you told me, and this is before we went to Perth and I want to go through our time in Perth together because we had the best time. Um, <laughs> the, the whole trip, the whole trip from start yeah, to finish. Shout out Emilio too. Emilio was with us. Yeah. We all had a house. It was fucking awesome. But um, you told me and, and you'd been to, obviously you'd played in the AFL. You'd been to pretty like well covered across sport, especially the American sports. You've been to almost every sport you can go to. And you were one of the ones that said the UFC from an event or like a fan experience is the best you've been to. And when I was going to Perth, I'm like, I can't wait because of what you said. Yeah. And then when we got there, I think the arena size was perfect. And it was funny when we asked Jimmy Crude about this because he was so lazy on his fight. He didn't even notice like how good it was. Yeah. But the atmosphere was like off its head. The way they like stage the fight, they prepare you for it. You know what's going on in their life and then bang. Yeah. I think they do a really good job. The, the whole build up to the fight is is really special and it doesn't matter if it's the hundredth fighter on the list. They're going to find out the stats <laughs> that, uh, um, you know, that are entertaining and, and that yeah. people are going to be attracted to, and they're going to use that. And I just think their promotion and their build up to the fights is really good. And then obviously in person, you know, you're seeing two people, you mm -hmm. know, try to kill each other in a, in a cage. Yeah, it's um, like modern day gladiators. Literally. So yeah. um, I think it's cool. And then, yeah, the Perth experience, I think Perth in general, I'd been to, I saw Connor for, fought, uh, sorry, fight Dustin Poirier. When he broke his leg. When he broke his leg. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Cause it was in Vegas. Fuck. Big, big fight. Um, I your think wife is in my DMs. You <laughs> yeah, were there for that. that. He was meant to go to the after party. We missed it. Um, <laughs> he was meant to be there, but he said in, uh, yeah, he, I, I think the biggest thing about that was, you know, Vegas is, I think it holds 20 or 25,000. Um, but that was parked. And then, you know, from a UFC point of view, obviously you can, you can tell like with the capacity of the arena, like they're super selective because they want it to be a, they want it to be a sellout. Um, but you would know from the, you know, from the audience, how, how entertaining Dude, it was. It was and crazy. How it was. Hey, yeah. yeah. I remember like Bam Bam would just stand up and just wave his towel and like get the yeah. whole crowd up. I'm like, what the fuck? The good the thing fuck? about the Aussies too is they get around the Australian fighters. And they drink like whilst they're watching the yeah, fight. Like there's yeah. no professionalism on the sideline. It's nah. like, we're getting hammered if we can't. Nah, it's kind of like, no, there's no other real sport in Australia. Uh, cricket maybe <coughs> a little bit. Yeah. Bay 13, is it? Yeah. Bay 13. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's probably the closest it comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then it's got police presence. Like UFC, it's kind of chill. Yeah. Well, they've got, um, they just announced they're coming back in December, I think December or November. So. Did they say, is it going to be in Sydney? I, I feel, feel like so. Sydney's yeah, Sydney. due. Yeah, Sydney. Yeah. yeah it's going to be Fuck, Sydney. We'll fun. probably be there. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there. Actually, I've got to tell you off, off air, <clears throat> it'll be announced soon, so I'm not hiding it, but I can't say it publicly, but Jack's got a fight. Yeah? Yeah. Very nice. It's going to be good. Very so nice. I think I'll tell you. I mentioned something. Yeah, you know, it was brewing, but now it's like pretty much done. Yeah? So oh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. For 
The overall experience in Perth, can you describe it? I mean, like particularly around the fight from your eyes, because you you can compare to being at a Vegas fight, but was that special? Because I don't know why it seemed like everyone there walked out of it and said that event was one of the best UFC events of all time. Like one, some guy who works in the UFC said Volk's entrance was the best and biggest entrance he'd ever seen for a fighter. And I yeah. was like, really? Like it, it felt like that. I mean, definitely- I think it was more electrifying than when I was in Vegas. Mm. And I don't know if that was just because I was more, um, you know, more lasered in because of some of the Australian fighters that we know. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was something special. I remember leaving and just everyone, everyone was smiling. You know what I mean? Like and we were, we were having, there. we were having beers. I remember me and you messaging it. We got there. What time did we get there? Seven, S- seven a.m. Yeah, we were messaging <laughs> at nine 30. I'm like, man, I'm start, starting to struggle to see out of this right eye now. <laughs> yeah, <it's good. laughs> it was weird. It's good. It's good fun. We're getting it's, to have it. <laughs> it's good fun. And I think Perth as well. I think, you know, the reason it's obviously really successful. That's why they're coming back. But yeah. um, because it's not here that often as well, when, it is here. Like everyone, it's obviously a sellout straight away um, and everyone makes the most of it. Yeah, there's a stat around Australians that we have the most pay-per-view buys like for for our country per capita, yeah. like in the world. So we have like a large portion of our population that want to watch That's it. That's obviously why they're investing so heavily Correct. back into yeah. Who, who for you are your favorite fighters? Like when they're on the, the main events, like who are the ones favorites. that's a no-brainer to well, buy it? Connor, obviously. Um, there's probably a few. Connor, John Jones, um, Sugar. Sugar. You like, sugar. You like yeah, sugar. Sugar's cool. You I like the show, showmanship, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. That's one, think, that's one thing, actually, I really liked about you with footy, <laughs> which I, you know, I'm going to go into. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, but I think that, yeah, the, the, I, I loved it anyway. I love the purity of just the competitiveness, the build-up, you know, it's me v you who's going to yeah. win, and I love everyone putting it on the line, and I think with UFC that happens. Um, so it's really good to see, but just back on the UFC stuff, yeah, probably Connor, John Jones, Sugar, I like Jack, obviously there's, you know, yeah, now, 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 now you, now when, cause yeah, you know, you Jack to the level you do, when you yeah. watch him, it's going to be different know, now. Yeah. Eh? Well, we watch him in Perth. Well, and, Perth, you yeah. already invested, but like now even more so you've been around him heaps. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the best bloke ever. Nah, it's cool. He's a legend. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it feels like you're part of the team. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool to watch. It's cool to watch those ones. Um, they're, they're probably it, I think for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, what, I want to talk Conor McGregor because the ultimate fight is going to be coming out. He's obviously the, the fight with Chan's not booked in, is it? No. Nah, Jimmy Crute reckons he's, uh, Conor's going to get pummeled. Uh, but you're very close. You love Conor. Two years out of any sport, as we know. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember you probably saw me running around in the NPR and I saw you I saw you running around for old coffee oh, after a there's couple a, of years. A up there, I would hope would get brought, <laughs> yeah. brought down very yeah. soon. Yeah. Didn't I put that up? Yeah. That got that went viral. What did I say to you? Um I can't remember what you I said. Get it I, was, up. I lost I, I mean, we were losing, we we're getting belted. Yeah, um, you were you were breathing yeah. and you come off the bench. You said the funniest thing and it went viral on TikTok. I know, it's funny. It's funny when you um when you're in it, it's it's such and you would know this, but it's such a it's such a grueling and grinding lifestyle that mm. everything every focus has to go into it so when you take a step out and I think it was for me four or five years since I'd played and then I went back yeah. to Caulfield yeah, that's right um, I'm super grateful to do it because obviously I went to Caulfield Grammar so to play for the school my best mate or one of my best mates um, was captain at the times and my roommate and then John O'Rourke oh, who yeah, I played right. with at Giants he, he, he was playing there too we had stack team we didn't win much but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good team on paper yeah but the, the thing is with that as well is because everyone kind of expects you to perform still yeah. and you're like dude I've been out of it's like a, I'm, I'm practically an infant coming yeah, back in nah, definitely. my brain I wants mean, to do this but my body can't yeah the quality of VAF is fairly good um, mm. so I think that I think the the one thing I loved was training, just getting back there and having a kick and there was no expectation, just running around. That was the fun part. And then obviously, you know, the competitiveness took over a little bit. So I played and I really wanted to play with my mates, but 
I think after like five or so games, I was just like, this yeah. is this Are is. Are you done now? No. Yeah, I, done. You, oh, never, you never say never. Oh, bad, good, good, you're you're back in, good. Nah, <laughs> not, not for money. Definitely not. not for money. I think the, you know, I think it'd be, if I, if I came back to play, it'd be some kind of challenge, yeah. either a personal challenge or, or something else. Um, but it's cool. I, I love watching footy now. I generally, you know, it was a period there where I didn't enjoy watching it, mm. but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's enjoy. I enjoy it now. Watch it with mates, watch it with the fam. There's, um, I'm not going to go too deep into this because we've done this before on a few podcasts, but one of the reasons why we, we honed in on the UFC and, and probably our first episode, some of the clips went really like that did really well was you talking about the inspiration you took from Conor McGregor sort of around manifestation with your lifestyle and your operation. I remember like when you were coming out of, even when you were at Melbourne, you kind of always saw you had a bit of a business brain and so forth, but you actually kind of created from the mind and obviously you put yourself in the right situations to have a vehicle out of the AFL yeah. and you were doing it for so long. And then the, when you spoke about it, it was so interesting. Um, and that's one thing we love about UFC is they call each other out. Like they manifest their success. They, they're never going to say they're going to lose. They're going to say they're going to do this. Yeah. And from like our sporting perspective, you just don't do that. And so you kind of tinkered on that line a little bit in the yeah. AFL, which caused some headlines. Yeah, no, it did. It's, I just, I was in such a space at the time. I was like, with the Connor stuff, I took a lot of inspiration from him. And I, you know, I think a lot of people in the world do. Mm. And I think with any, you know, person that's high performing is if you can take the good parts, that's ultimately what you try to do. And I think you can get a bit gimmicky these days with, you know, the motivational talks and speakers mm. and everyone's trying to do it. But I think, you know, when you're looking at it, when you're a professional athlete and you're looking at another professional athlete, you're really trying to take out you know, whatever you can to get that edge. Yeah. And what I loved about him was his obsessive, um, you know, commitment to training in all facets. And then, you know, also his manifestation, like I've, I've used it before it's worked. Um, so I believe it, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not one of those things where you just say, Oh, I manifested it. I actually have done it and I believe it. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, the, the back to the, the calling, uh, calling well, so people. Can you give us the, the situation of what happened? Cause I remember, like you're trying to change the game in the AFL a little bit. There was like some rule changes with like people being on phones and shit. Yeah. Because I, after what you I did. Don't, <laughs> I don't know if it was specifically that moment that I, I stopped that rule, but I mean, they definitely said to me no more posting on game day. <laughs> um, that come after the, that come after J, Jason Johannesson one. So I put up a, I got to the game. I remember you weren't allowed on your phone two hours before. Um, and it was about two hours and 15 minutes before. And I was in the car park and Watsy was there. Me and Watsy were good friends. And um, I just said, let's, let's take a selfie. So he took a selfie. And I added, um, you ready, question mark, at Jason Johannesson. And we were tagging him that day as well. Um, so, but between that 15 minutes, what I heard is that they had a printout and they had it on their, um, on their sheet, oh, sorry, on their whiteboard before they ran out to play. And it would make sense because as soon as I ran out, all of the players, there's a YouTube on video, you can put it up, but um, they all come for me. And then we just, me and uh, Eastern Wood were just like battling out before the, no before, the, before the siren even goes. So that happened. And then I was just thinking, all right, we're on here. Like, I'm going to have to play well. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to play well. Or I'm not going to be playing. At that point, did you regret doing that decision? Nah, all, uh, yeah, so you no, like that. You yeah, like the fucking. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I get sat there. Targeted and, wouldn't be so fun. I don't know if I sat there and said, do I like this? I didn't really have those thoughts. It was more, I just didn't regret it. I was just like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I remember thinking like, I'm going to have to play well today. Otherwise I'm not going to play. Like, <laughs> really? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah if, your own club if, would turn on you because well, you've created yeah, if more. We, if we lost by 20, 30 points and I'm calling out a play before um, yeah. and we lose, like we're in some trouble. What's well, I'm in some trouble. So what <laughs> happened? What happened? Did you guys end up winning? Yeah, we won. We actually played well. I think I had 20 and kicked two goals uh, and we won and they couldn't really say anything. But I do remember um, Goody after the game kind of bringing everyone in and just saying, you know, no more posting on game day because the whole talk of the whole talk afterwards was just that selfie. Mm -hmm. um, 
it had nothing to do with our win, how we played, because we actually played a good game. Oh, so it overshadowed everything. So yeah. they weren't happy with that, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, in hindsight, at the time, I didn't think I really did anything wrong. Um, so that happened. And then I was going to do it again. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was actually going to do it again the night before. Um, but I didn't do it, thank God, because oh. it was uh, it was the one before the Sydney game. So <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that would have yeah, gone south. I had a funny one ready to go, but I thought um, I'd better just focus on Did you know Jason Johannesson as well at this yeah, point? Yeah, I did know oh, him. Okay. I mean, so it wasn't like you just picked a stranger out and just said they were coming for you because they were, they were flying Yeah, the I mean, we weren't best mates, but I, I met him, I met him, I met him <laughs> I a few it. times where it was a bit tongue-in-cheek and I thought that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be too much of an issue, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Dude, I'd love to see more of that in the AFL. Like, yeah, I'd love to see blokes just call each out other, like each other out. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to happen unless you've got a coach that enables it. And, yeah. you know, I think there's, it's, it's such a gray area where you can step, step over the line. So, you know, you're trying to, if you're trying to manage 40 guys on the list on what's right and what's wrong on social media, then it's probably taking away from game. Mm. But if you say, you know, you look at America, American sports, sorry, in the NBA. Dude, they, Dylan they Brooks and LeBron. Yeah. What you did is like 1% of what was going on there. And yeah. that was like, that made that series yeah. like watchable. It's one of those things where it's great for entertainment. It's great for people watching, yeah. but it's not necessarily great for the organization. And mm. I think, you know, when that stuff happens, if someone's kind of standing out of a line, that's when they come down hard. And yeah. that's I think, what they did to me. <laughs> I, think the, I think the key with it though, and like forget AFL for a second, but Dylan Brooks, great example. If you do yeah. do it, you got to play well. Yeah. Like he's now a Shanghai shark, Dylan Brooks. There's like music about him and shit. Like yeah. it's fucking, you'd probably regret it going I'm against like, LeBron. I'm a Lakers fan. So yeah, you are. I feel like he just, I, I love that. I feel like he's just poor choice of words. Yeah. You know, you're calling someone old. It's great. Yeah. Other people feel like that's a bit of a disrespect, but well, I reckon it, um, it was good. I mean, like you said, it made the series. It made did. It, it made it interesting. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially with you no, know, like when Jar Morant wasn't really like at his best and stuff, like you yeah. wanted to see something in it um, to make it interesting. Whilst, whilst we're just on that, before we go into sort of the next section, I just want to know, because when this comes out, the series I think will still be on. So Lakers, Nuggets, if you take your Lakers hat off, uh, hat off, who objectively do you see winning that series and in what capacity? Well, obviously played today. Yeah. I didn't think they played that well, but I thought they matched them in good mm. areas. I mean, Denver hit all their shots. They, like, they were hitting some them. big shots. Yeah. And Joker, like, he played unbelievable. Um, <laughs> usually if AD scores 40, they win. So I think it comes down to rebounding. You've got to keep Joker away from the away from the ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think I think Lakers can match them. I think they're I think them all the pressure's on Denver. And I think that, you know, Lakers it's a big year for LeBron, but in terms of like, they feel like they've got nothing to lose. Um, they shouldn't have been there really in the first place. Yeah. Um, and their team's good. I think they match up well. So you reckon it'll go to seven? Would, would that be, I, I want a like, prediction from you. He's, he's, scared, he's curtailed well, around Lakers, it. Yeah, I'm trying to break it down. So Lakers, <laughs> yeah, Lakers like have it. to beat them in Denver, which is, you know. Tough. Yeah. Um, higher altitude. And like, but Lakers haven't been at home, but to win the series, they have to beat Denver at home. So yeah, okay. can I see them winning? Yeah. Yeah, you, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit yeah. of doubt. I think it goes to seven. All right, to, yeah. well, Miami, Boston. Uh, Everyone's kind of leaning towards the Celtics, but nah, they got, they got mean, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy. man. Can't doubt Jimmy. Jimmy Buckets is yeah. playoff playoff man. Can't doubt different Jimmy. Level. I know what he did to the what he did to um the Bucks was just it's crazy, man. Yeah, dude, I actually watched a clip about him today when he was in Minnesota. And he was renegotiating his contract. Because he does and, it himself, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he didn't turn up to like the preseason camp. And he turned up to like day three of like <laughs> training camp or whatever. Yeah. And he turned up and they started like all warming up. They're all running laps. And like Jimmy wasn't running laps. He was like getting stretched out and shit. And then I think it was Coach Thibodeau, the, his old Chicago Bulls coach, said they're doing a scrimmage. And Jimmy's like, I'm in. Got up, laced himself up. And then he's like, all right, starting five was like Jeff Teague. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 
Carl Anthony Towns, someone else, someone else. Like they're starting they're five, first right? Team, yeah. yeah. And then Jimmy Buckets is like, nah, I'm not on this team. I'm going with them. And he put, they got these like four guys, like they called them the Brown Bears, who weren't like the best players, but they were solid, but they weren't going to be in a starting five. Yeah. So we went and played on the shit team. And from the first tip out, Cat got the ball, stole it off him, went down there, just started talking shit. And he goes to the GM and everyone, like Jeff Teague's telling he's like, go to the G- GM and everyone. He's like, man, I am that fucking guy. Pay me my money. <laughs> and like Derek Rose and shit on the team, like laughing and like, he just, they burnt him. Yeah. He's that kind I of think, guy. Well, if, if you've seen much of his upbringing. He did, I know he, he didn't, he didn't have a mum and dad. Yeah, no mum and dad, homeless. Um, so he's had a pretty tough upbringing, but it's cool. Like you can just see he's an ultimate competitor and when you watch someone like that, it's hard not to disrespect and yeah. enjoy watching him play. I agree. Speaking, you're a big competitor too. Um, and one of the things I was, I was always interested in how you would translate into like normal life because I struggled like naturally with when it's like X's and O's and points and, um, you've got something to look, prepare for every week in regards like a performance on a big stage. We're used to, but then when you, what you created, the vehicle you created to walk away from Carlton at like you, how old were you when you left AFL? 25. 25 and you created Zuz yeah. or you were co-founder at the time, right? Yeah. Now you're the CEO running the business and it's just extrapolated out to a yeah. multinational business and yeah. you've got a lot of employees. Like how, how is it all going now? Cause we've spoken about it in the past. So for yeah. those that want to hear about sort of the DNA of the business, which you can touch on, but how it started and so forth. Um, but where's it all going now for yeah. you? Yeah, No, for sure. I think definitely when you finish and you know, football and professional sports at that, at that level, it's, it's so, um, routine based yeah. and you've got people telling you where to be, what to do. Um, and you've got like, there's a full team of people telling you what to do. Yeah. Um, when you set up your own business, you've got to motivate yourself and you've got yeah. to find the answers. Um, and it, I think it comes with experience and adjusting and also surrounding yourself with good people. So, you know, having good partners or having great staff or, you know, having great clients. Um, that's the thing that I've really focused on. Um, I've also got great partners that help out in areas that I'm not, you know, it's not a strength of mine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's about learning. It's about getting to the end product. It's, you know, you're not going to have the end product straight away. Um, and it's takes some adjusting over time, but now we've, you know, I feel like, you know, when you're a small business and when you're a startup, um, there's no, uh, there's no built in structures. You've got to make them your own. And that's kind of the fun part too, because, you know, I don't want some, um, you know, business that's really corporate where it's got no identity. I want, you know, a fun environment where my staff are empowered. They enjoy their job. They want to come in and they genuinely love what they do. Um, and I think if you build an environment like that, then it's a really easy, it's, it's, it makes, you know, life a lot easier, but it makes it easier to scale as well. And, Mm. you know, I think in terms of where the business is going, you know, we launched in the U S after, you know, 18 or so months. Um, that's where the biggest market is. Um, but we want to be in Australia, America, UK. We're going to launch in UK uh, later this year. Um, so it's man, amazing. it's just, it's, it's fun. It's, it's enjoyable. I genuinely love what I do. I, you know, if you, if you look at it, um, you know, from when I was playing football and having a manager and then we've got influencers now that we manage, um, you know, it's a similar type setup. So I really enjoy passing on knowledge that I see in younger creators that maybe don't have the experience yet that I went through. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, that side of, that side of things I, I really do enjoy. For those that don't know, it's a, you so Zuz is an influencer management company, essentially. Yeah. So you're managing arguably some of the biggest influencers around the markets that you're in, which is UK, US, yeah, we Australia. Rep- yeah. We represent creators across the globe um, yeah. and, you know, primarily on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok and all the major social platforms. So I think for us, you know, our main objective is to maximize and monetize the girls or the guys platforms that we manage, mm. uh, that we rep- represent. And, you know, at that age, a lot of the people that fall into being an influencer or a creator, 
they don't necessarily intend on doing it. So they just start posting content. They go a little bit viral. They start to build a following. And then it's like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, so that's our, that's our expertise. And we come in and we help them basically set that up. How do you create a fun environment to work in? Because I know your personality naturally is a fun, happy kind of guy. Is that just that kind of filters out into everyone or do you kind of set things in place? And Yeah, I think, uh, you know, how you structure the week, um, you know, making sure that, that the people feel important. They feel like they're, you know, generally contributing to the company. Um, I think that's number one. I think having a flexible um, schedule, I think that's important. Um, and, you know, letting letting our staff work from home. If they're hitting KPIs, working from home, I think that's a big that's thing. Cool. Yeah, um, it's modern day work. And then also catching up as well. It was hard during COVID because we couldn't have face-to-face, but, you know, every time I catch up with the team and we catch up properly, it's, it's um, you know, it's fun. I feel like our, our team's really young. Our team is across social media as well. So they understand what, our talent want, um, they can deliver, but, um, you know, our team's fairly big now across here in the U S as well. So we catch up globally and it's, it's, yeah. yeah I was going to ask how many, how many people are working now? Um, the I'll have to check the final number, but it's, you know, it's above 15. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. What, what from an AFL perspective, like, cause you've obviously been under some great coaches, you got Kevin Sheedy. It's one of them. I've actually, yeah, my coach, uh, who'd I have? I had can Mark, you go through them? Mark, Choco Williams. Yeah. Kevin Sheedy, Leon Cameron, Paul Ruse. Simon Goodwin. Wow. And then- um, Who was Carlton? Was it Bolts? Yeah. Brendan Bolton. Brendan Bolton. Yeah. That's a big list of like big names. And then yeah. obviously you've had your own sort of internal management like that you've worked with through your career. So what from that sort of group has helped you to be sort of a leader in a business perspective? The coaches? Yeah. Like coach, well, I assume because that's probably the only form of leadership you've had before Zuz outside of like yeah. the business kind of the board management yeah. and the mentors. Well, we had the part, you know, the pathway of becoming an AFL player with AIS, Australian squad, yeah. Victorian squad. So you, you come across a lot of different coaches there, like coach with Nathan Buckley and <clears throat> under 16s, oh, yeah. um, Matthew Lloyd, Michael O'Loughlin, um, Jason McCartney at AIS. So you, you, on that pathway, you actually meet a lot of different, um, you know, coaches or a lot of different people in, in different fields, even, you know, coaches from all different types. So, different sports, um, you know, from across the globe, um, you know, been to some NBA clubs where you just, you know, you get to go through and, and meet a few different coaches and whatnot. And I think, you know, from my personal relationships that I've dealt with, you know, with coaches on an intimate level, um, I've learned a lot from a lot of different people, but I think, uh, the one that really sticks out was when I was younger with Choco Williams. Um, yeah. he was great. He was all for the players. And, um, I think the one thing he taught us in our first year before we played AFL, because we had the NEFL year as well, yeah. was just like stand up for yourself and just, you know, give it your all. And he's a competitor and he shows his love like through tough love. Um, yeah. So he really wanted the best and he would, you know, he would yell and scream and, and really, um, you know, demand <coughs> excellence. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think he really pushed and I saw him, you know, nurture a lot of players and really get them to a high level. And I think- the, yeah, the, the one thing I would I would take away from him is just like sticking up for yourself. And, sticking up for yourself. Yeah. That's good. From an employee perspective with the people that you're managing, like is there anything translated over from, because I know footy coaches are, are renowned for giving hairsprays and stuff, but like yeah. do you, do you take, have you noticed you've taken anything from some of those guys into your own operation? I don't think I've ever yelled. I've, I've never no, I yelled. I can't see you. No, I've, nev- I've never yelled. Even even when there's been some challenging moments, I've never yelled. Um, I, I find, you know, with age as well and experience, the calmness, yeah. You need to come up with a calmness. Um, I think if there's a challenge or something's gone wrong, um, you know, all your employees are looking to you for the calmness um, mm. and the leadership. So I think at, at that point, I've never been to, and, and the other thing, sorry, the, from the experience I went through when um, 
I was at Melbourne and we had the suspension. Yeah. I felt, you know, I went through this last episode, but I felt like there wasn't too many people that reached out. I didn't yeah. feel like I had too much support. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, when something goes wrong or say one of my employees mucks up or, you know, something happens within the business, um, I don't point fingers and it's almost, it doesn't even matter what happened. Mm. It's, you know, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again and why did it happen? And then understand and educate the employee um, or the person as to, you know, what went wrong or why it went wrong and then help them, you know, um, you know, upskill to get to a point where that doesn't happen again. I've, I've always, I've never asked you this, but it's, it might be a hard question to answer, but why do you think no, like, why do you think not many people were, were there for you through that process? Cause like, I yeah. feel like you're actually a really nice guy. Yeah. I've known you for God knows how long, but it's such a weird one. Even like, it must've been like a real eye opener. Yeah. At I the think, time. I think at the time I won't say everyone because I think Maxi Gorn reached out a couple of times. Um, yeah. Christian Petrarca, um, that's the ones that I remember. I don't know. I think it's a tough one. You know, the, the clubs come down hard on me and, and mm. said that like I was the problem. So I used you as an example. Yeah. Like, almost like to draw a line. Yeah. And you know, I think that some players are probably a little bit scared, you know, if they're uh, associating with me, especially when I was away from the club, that that could impact the way, you know, they're, they're viewed at the club potentially. But I think, you know, in that environment as well, it's tough because everyone's, there's so much going on. You know what I mean? You're so invested in yourself as much as the team and the club. You're so invested in yourself. You know, you're going to play this week. What do you got to train? How do you get better? What are you eating? Like there's so many yeah. different things yeah. that sometimes you're not thinking about other people. Um, and that's what great clubs do. They try to instill into young players that it's all about caring about your teammates and creating a, you know, a really good bond. But I think, uh, I think I just fucked up at the time and it was just like, you know, it was kind of like things, you deal right? with, you, you deal with your stuff. And then yeah, when yeah. I come back, it was all love. Yeah. Everyone yeah, was fine. You got through it. Well, uh, did you find your, the, the players were, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, do you find that you're a bloke that reaches out to like people now when they're gone down? Cause you've yeah. like been there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like you would naturally because you're like, fuck, I kind of know what they're going through. And yeah. you went through on a different scale. Yeah. Not only, not only just reach out. I think I also have a lot of empathy for it. So when I see someone copper Dylan Brooks, for instance, we talked about him before as much as like, I think he fucked up and like, he shouldn't have done it. He's a great, he's a great player. Like, well, not a great player, but he's, he's great defensively offers a lot of value to that team. So to see him probably not get a contract with them and then be a bit dicey whether or not he gets another contract with someone else is a pretty harsh. It's awful. It's pretty harsh. Because um, some people so don't realise as well with sport, like some people need to do that to get them the best yeah. out of themselves. Well, he it's not necessarily he fucking hates yeah. LeBron. It's like it's the only way Dylan Brooks can play A+. plus. Yeah, that's, that's, his standard. that's his thing. So that, that stuff's a little bit harsh to see. And then, you know, you obviously see with some of the AFL stuff that happened over the past 12 months with guys, mm. they muck. I think the hardest thing is they muck up and it's point the finger rather than like, hey, a lot of these guys are probably between 18 and 24 in that demographic where, um, you know, you gotta, you got to look after them because mm. obviously with mental health these days and whatnot as well, as soon as people mark up, they know they've marked up. They've yeah. probably got a high level of anxiety or high level of, high level of remorse. Yeah. And then it's, you did it wrong or it's like the media just bash them just where it's like, out. you know, how do we make them better? Yeah, correct. It's a really good point. Well said, man. Um, I actually think uh, oh, this next question is going to make me laugh, but I think if anyone from Muscle Chef is watching <laughs> us- I want a sponsorship. No, you need, an, you need to be like a full-fledged ambassador. ambassador. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, mate, you are unbelievable. And, and what I'm leading to here is you and I are very- rigid in a sense, we're used to structures and disciplines. And now we're kind of in a position where we make our own structures and disciplines. Mm. And you're a bit like me in the sense you do everything to an extreme. So like when you diet, you fuck, you go like next level. Yeah. When you exercise, you'll go next level. When you don't do anything, you'll go next level and like enjoy yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How are you coping with that now? You've been out of the game for sort of a, yeah. a period of time. It's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one because you've got no restraints, right? And 
you know, you've just had, I've just had 10 years, well, probably longer because, you know, I didn't drink much when I was younger. I was really focused on footy. Um, so up until I didn't, I mean, I didn't, for, I don't think I got drunk first till I was 18. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like my whole life, just say 20 years, because I started when I was six. That's, much why, we, that's why we have a drink now, because we're yeah. 30. Well, look, mate, when you were drinking at 14, we were running suicides. Yeah, literally. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think, <laughs> I think when you, you know, you do something for 20 years, um, you want to let your hair down a little bit when you finish. Mm. Um, and then I think just with time and understanding responsibility, it, it makes, you know, it makes me think, you know, how do I get myself to a level where, um, you know, I'm responsible and accountable and, and whatnot. And that comes with structure. And I think I know myself very well now where even if I have the best intentions, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, I'm going to execute on that. So the muscle chefs, for instance, if I, Dude, you eat if like, I, if, you if, are, I'm, <laughs> if I'm muscle chefing, um, I'm doing it like every meal for every meal for every day. Yeah, I know. Like there's, there's no way out. And the reason for that is because, you know, I could have one in the morning or one at night, but if say I'm matching like my macros, so proteins, <laughs> carbs, calories, um, even if I have a chicken Caesar salad at lunch, the fact that I just don't know exactly how many calories, proteins- yeah, that bothers you. Bothers me. Yeah. Maybe it's a fraction, like a little bit of OCD, but I just, um, I know myself to a point now where- the muscle chefs work. They're good. They taste good. And you know, it's, it's, it's a way I can really See, keep track of that. Yeah. Do you know what's Seriously. funny is because sometimes, sometimes you stay at my house because you're living out and packing them at the moment. If you've got a meeting in the morning, you, you'll stay at mine. I, I remember laughing one time you called me and like, do you want me to bring anything around? I'm like, nah, man, all good. And you're like, do you want some muscle chefs? Do you want picking some <laughs> I'm up? Looking you want some muscle chefs? Looking They're up. really good, man. I was yeah. like, bro, are they paying you for this? Like, <laughs> it was so funny, man. Nah, they're good, man. They're good. They've got a good range. Um, yeah. High in protein. So if anyone's watching. Hey, Legends, just a quick break in this episode to thank our partners, Dabble, the gambling agency, where you dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Please only bet what you can and are willing to lose. Now, Dabble is one of the great platforms out there. I absolutely love using it. Very similar to Instagram, where you can follow some of the head honchos in the different sports, copy their bets, and get some good wins on the board. Now, fortunately for me, I've been working with Dabble for over a year. This year, we are doing a stream every Tuesday night. It's called Jake's Take. It's from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., you can go in the Double app. You can join me. We get guests on every week. We bet on the dogs. We have an absolute ball, and they're talking about sport and cutting up the shop around what's going around town across all codes. So come on down, check it out. Double socially, gamble responsibly, and let's get back into the episode. So when Tommy Bug wakes up now, you're not waking up to be the best footy player you are. What are the sort of drivers and motivations that sort of are getting you going now? Yeah. Obviously you got your business and stuff. Yeah. What, what more intricately is, is Yeah. It? I think my day starts off with gym. So um, get to gym, do a session. Um, and that's usually early. I usually get up at 6, 6.30 and do that. Um, then I'll head back home, check my laptop, just see anything urgent that needs to be done, any emails overnight. Um, and then I've got, you know, you've just got meetings that are already set up in advance. Um and if I'm not doing that, then, you know, I'm catching up with talent, catching up with staff members, um, you know, looking for new opportunities for us to grow. Um, you know, obviously we've been in the US for a period of time now and it's growing really well, but then we've got the UK coming up. So there's always something to do. Um, but I, I've, I've noticed that, you know, if I start my day off like that, it gives me a lot of time. I'm not in a rush. Um, and I think that's really important for me each day. Your communication skills, I reckon, are so so advanced as well. Like the way you speak now, people probably like 30, yeah, probably. But like you were doing this, like you were speaking like this when you're like 24, 25. I don't mean like this, but I mean from a business perspective, how you engage your yeah. employees and partners. Did you did you find that's like sport driven as well? Or is that just like you, do your upbringing? Or yeah. did you work on no, it in I a think, sense? No, I think, I think it comes with confidence. And I think it comes with, um, you know, 
humility. Like I don't think I know everything. So I'm always, yeah, you know, okay. reaching out to different people that are specialists in the areas. So I've got mentors um, and I'm inquisitive. So I'm always, if I don't know something, I'll Google it. Mm. Hence we we're looking up before. Yeah. 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 So if I don't true. know it. It's just, you know, I want to yeah. know chat GPT now, but yeah. um, now nah, if, uh, if I don't know something, I want to know it. So I've always been, you know, like I said, really inquisitive on something, you know, and business, you know, business money, mm. all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it excites me. So I want to know as much as I can about it. It's, it's interesting because people have different pastimes now as we get a bit older. Like for, for instance, mine's probably golf. Some people still play local sport. I know you Yours <laughs> is fucking, do you know what, mate? Do you know how good this guy is at temping bowling? <laughs> <laughs> he takes temping bowling so serious. I actually, I knew you were good because I played, when we played, we were younger, but I thought that was like, you had a good game. But you take it, no, it's actually like still ongoing for 10 years later. Yeah. So what, like, give me some detail on this because yes. I find this fucking hilarious. It's a weird, it's a weird one, but um, <laughs> it, it actually, funny enough, there's a story to it while we started. So we started in- uh, We? We, oh, well, I'll explain <laughs> Yeah, okay. So when we're 18, we were, I got drafted to the Giants, I was 17, and we went up there and lived, um, all the boys, and we're actually sponsored by AMF. And oh, wow. they had a bowling rink right near where we trained. So me and Jezza Cameron used to go there we, it was it was two free it was two free games per day. It was this little blue this little blue laminated card. That is a joke. But we, we were going there so much that we obviously made friends with people that work there, and they were like, "You can come in whenever you want, as long as the lane's not getting used, you can use it." So me and Jez on our day off, we'd bowl like 10, 15 games. Wow! Like to the point where we'd wake up next, saw the next day, we had time. <laughs> we, st- we still did it anyway, and um, it was just uh, it's just. It's one of those. It's one of those. Um, those sports or, or hobbies or activities. It's just enjoyable. You sit there with the guys. I mean, we could probably do anything together. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If we're uh, if we're throwing a ball down an alley and it's a little bit competitive, then it's it's cool. But so it started off then. I, I, I bowled a, a lot, um, and I hadn't really done it for maybe a few years. And then um, my mate from back home, he's he's really into it as well. So we just started bowling again, and then. We've yeah, been watching it and obviously taking it pretty seriously and uh, we've got our own balls now. <laughs> <laughs> you have your own ball. Swear. How do you Where's get it? your own ball? Where do you get that from? The temping bowling places. No, they're actually, hard, they're actually hard to source. Exactly. Well, funny enough, the, the best in the world is actually um, a guy by the name of Jason Belmonte and he, <laughs> he's from that. Orange, New South Wales. So he's actually an Australian He's an Australian guy. guy. He's an Australian guy, yeah. So I'll show Can you they that. make money? Like, do they make yeah, money? Or is it like, makes, no, this guy makes some serious money. Really? There's yeah. money in Tempin Bowling. So what do yeah, they well, do? Do they represent their countries or they go as individuals? Like the uh, there's both. There's both, but usually individuals for the world champs and he'll go and, um, <laughs> oh, he gets paid sponsorships. He gets paid, you know, prize money. What um, fuck? I'll show you this. Hang on. Dude, this, maybe we need to get like a Tempin Bowling guy on. Maybe we'll get this guy on. Get Belmonte on. Belmonte. He's a hard man to catch, but I think. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, so let's see what, like. Oh, Wow, that is crazy. Can we hold that to the camera? Is that it's got what has it got storm on it? It's called it's called a storm ball. And then <laughs> sorry, that's and then I've just got another one as well. That's the it's a sp- So you bu- well, you've got a, one of his. There's a strike. It's a joke, bro. That's just a photo, but I So just wait, when because you know when you bowl in terms of bowling, you wait for the ball to come back, you just grab another ball. Are you waiting between each bowl for your ball to come well, back? I've got, I've got two balls now. Oh, so but one's two. one's a strike ball, one's a spare ball. Get the, is, so that yeah. a, is that a thing? No, it's, it's, it's proper. Oh, okay. yeah, it's I like thought a, you've just made this up. I'm going to show you some clips after this. Okay, no, all right. I'll show you. And then the other thing is you're actually quite, um, You one thing I noticed with you, and I actually don't know much about this, but and I need to learn the game, but I always see you when you're like with me, you're always playing a game of chess yeah. online versus random. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, like, like, it's really, random. like you go quiet when we're like sitting down for like five minutes and like you make your move and then you come back to earth. Yeah. I've noticed that. Like what, no, what's, got, what's going on there? I feel like it's, it's, for me, it's like almost meditation. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting sport. It's, um, it's actually taken off a lot 
especially mm. chess.com. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's taken off a lot. It's so easy to play. But I think the reason I love it, I used to play with my grandpa when I was younger, chess and checkers. Ah, um, okay. So I remember when I was eight or nine, I used to play with him. Um, so I learned the game then. But it's an interesting game because if you make one mistake at the start, you can like the game's over. So mm. you really have to, it, it makes you really think you got to think five, six, seven steps ahead. Um, and I just love it. And it's competitive and I can sit there and do it on my phone. So yeah. I don't do it you know, all the time, but when I'm sitting there waiting for a meeting or I'm like bored or it's like, you know, about to go to bed, I'll play a game of chess. <laughs> that tempting bowling fucking thing's got me, man. Two balls oh, striking a spare ball. Yeah. You gotta, so what, like, can you give us an insight? Like what's a good game for you? Because obviously 300, yeah. oh, what's the max score? 300. 300, 300 max. Yeah. Well, my, my max was before I got my balls was 229. Um, and then my mate just bowled a 244 the other week. And then I got this new ball and I bowled a 245. So I've got him by one pin. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's burning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's burning. <coughs> Excuse me. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. a lot. But the pros, I mean, I've looked into it. The pros average 200 oh, roughly. Oh, oh really? So yeah. That's like a, an average game. No, yeah, so they'll they'll bowl on average two hundred. Um, but some of the high scores are getting like perfect games, two seventies, two sixties. Me, man. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't think there's been a professional AFL player go to professional bowling. So uh, wow, there's a, you'll be the first you and Belmonte. Be, might be on there buying Tommy bug balls. Yeah, well they don't Bobby Boss dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they need a bit of um. I can start calling out other bowling players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just start coming in. Yeah, you ready? <laughs> oh, mate. Well, life's changed for us quite a bit. For those who don't know, obviously, previous episodes go into a bit of our history, but we did have a joint 18th. So I've known Tommy for a long time. We've kind of grown up sort of through our adulthood together in a sense because we both had similar journeys, like real young into professional sports, real young came out, real young still figuring shit out. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we're both single. It'd be remiss me to uh, to not ask you with those beautiful eyes how <laughs> how the dating life is, how the ladies are, because it'd be pretty hard for you, like when you're a CEO of a business as well, to make time, because you, you've also you make a lot of time for your friends, like your close mates. So I'm always curious to know like how you yeah. how that's going with no, you. It's an interesting one. I think for me, it's you know the focus um, when I finished football and. Yeah, at that, you know, mid-20s was to focus on work, um, you know, and I've had obviously past relationships in, in uh, sorry, I've had past relationships and with them, they just, you know, I guess for me personally, why are you smiling? I guess <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I know your past relationships. Yeah, yeah. no, I think for yeah. me, just, you know, exiting that really, really made me uh, realize that I just need to focus on myself for a minute. So right. that's what I've been doing since then. And I, I don't want to force anything. And like I said at the start, like it's a big commitment, you know what I mean? In terms of yeah. if you settle down with Bro, someone. It's a so, massive commitment, eh? Hey? Um, yeah, so I think for me, not, nah, nothing, nothing. I'm not dating anyone. Cause you had like, um, I hope you don't mind me saying it, but you had like a, when you're with your ex, you had like a public breakup, even though it was like a really good breakup. Yeah. It was still like out there. And I was like, fuck man, that cause it's like full on. Yeah. So I was like, man, that would put me off like dating, but nah, you, was, you've been pretty good. Like yeah, you've it was always in, been good like that. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, obviously we're together for a minute, what, two years, like just over two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we broke up and we're on good terms and, um, but it's one of those ones where like, you know, I've played football was in a relationship that's public. Everything's public. You know, I like yeah. my, I like my privacy Yeah, as much as that might be hard to believe. Sometimes I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in the country, grew up with, um, you know, on five acres and, you know, 15, 20 minutes to simple civilization. Pleasures. So real, yeah. yeah, real simple. And I think with age as well, you really start to enjoy those simple pleasures yeah. again. So I think I spoke to you about this the other day. Um, cause obviously when we were younger, we probably would have slid into girls DMS and probably, <laughs> probably up until late. Maybe I have, but I've, I've made like a bit of an executive rule to myself. I don't do it anymore. And I think anymore, you said, you're going to get exposed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, I just feel like maybe cause I'm older. I'm like, I don't like hitting up strangers yeah. that I don't know. 
because like, you know, it's not a game to me anymore. Like I mm. can't be bothered. But with, and I think you said something similar to me and I was like, oh, that's interesting too. Cause you kind of said that, like, you're not really a big person at DM, which I reckon would shock people. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I like the, if, you know, if I'm going to meet a girl or go on a date, then I'd like to, you know, have some sort of idea of what they're like and yeah. see if, you know, not just to see if there's, you know, I guess a connection or some kind of chemistry um, before that happens. And I feel like if you're damning on Instagram, you're not really going to know what that person's like. It's pretty much it. Instagram's the biggest dating app in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah, people think it's social. It's like, they think it's Tinder. It's like Instagram's for dating. Um, yeah. It's not to say I don't do it here and there, um, but I don't, I don't sit there every day dating random girls. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think the reason for that is just that, um, like I said, like I want to know what the person's like. So for, you know, if we're out at a cafe, a club, you know, I'd rather approach a girl and like speak to her and get a sense of like what they're like before yeah. committing to uh, an hour or two dinner. I like it, mate. I like it. Well, we can't have the big dog on and not talk AFL. Nate, give us five, Nate. <laughs> give us five. It's a money channel. We've got to talk a bit of AFL because yeah, I want to I want to talk through this season. It's been a pretty good season. Obviously, you've been affiliated with some clubs that, you know, doing well, not doing so well. But just start start at the top with Collingwood. That's obviously hot off the press. Everyone loves talking about Collingwood. Everyone loves watching him, which is incredibly surprising mm. because no matter what Collingwood used to do, people would hate him. <laughs> How impressed are you with their brand of footy? Because they've kind of changed the game in a bit. They don't really have an out-and-out ruckman. They don't have don't like have a, a key forward. You don't have a key forward and they're, they're, they're winning. Yeah. No, exciting to watch. I love watching Collingwood. I feel like they, it was a little bit like when Richmond started getting good. Everyone, mm-hmm. had, everyone didn't like Richmond. And then they play a brand of football that's just so exciting to watch that you end up barracking from. Yeah, um, you Obviously, do, eh? your good friend Geordie plays, uh, yeah, plays so as well. I'm kind of with it, but even though you, even though yeah. you'd watch him and be excited. Yeah, but sure. like in general- they're fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's they're young. You can tell when they play together, they love each other. Mm. Um, you know, with Braden Maynard, you can see he kind of <laughs> epitomizes what they're about. Um, but it's it's good to see. It really is. I think they play an exciting brand of football. I think they've got a great coach. Um, yeah. And yeah, you look at what Nick Dacos is doing as well. Yeah. You know, I spoke, I think I might have spoke about this a few weeks ago. I'd be interested to get your opinion on this because obviously he's immensely talented. And I think like whatever the Dacos boys are doing as kids, like everyone needs to do because had even a, jo- Josh, that was a yeah, well, jo- legend. <laughs> I don't think Josh gets enough credit for like his performances because of how well his brother's going, but like yeah. Josh is in the top possession getters every game. And I think you'll find like their disposal efficiency will be super, super high. high. Yeah. That's why like people talk about Nick Dacos gets a cheap kick here or there. So he should, because yeah. it's like efficiency is so good. You yeah. want the ball in his hands. But with, um, with Nick Dacos, I feel like a bit, uh, bit upset for him in the sense of like people are talking about Brownlow, BNF. It's like year two. It's like if he gets those things, which hopefully he does, it's like it's an expectation. It's not like this is unbelievable. Yeah. Where it should be just like this is an unbelievable journey. Let him ride it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, think how, the the me- I, think the way, I think the way the media works these days, it's inevitable. Even fans though, it's, like, Yeah. I think it's inevitable. As soon as you, you know, raise that standard and- you know, you, you have those type of performances that, that expectation gets, you know, put on mm. you and there's no real escape, especially as I mentioned, like their dad played AFL. So it was already that level of expectation. They've far exceeded that already. Um, Josh is a star. Like you watch him play the way he uses the footy. Um, but yeah, Nick, I mean, it's, it's just wild. It's wild to see because, you know, clubs are trying to nullify him and he's still getting 40. Yeah. Um, so it's impressive to, it's impressive to see. I would have loved, I would love to see, you know, Cameron Ling or Ryan Crowley on him Yeah, just to see how, <laughs> uh, how he goes on that. But he, he wins a lot of his ball uncontested, which like you said, it's, it's not a bad thing. If you're getting 40 touches a game and you're using it great. Wow. I mean, I would have taken 20. I would take half of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got um, like 20 by like mid- midway through the second quarter. And you're like, what is going on yeah, here? I think they're, I think they're going to be favorites. I, 
I think they're gonna they're they're the team that's gonna challenge a team like Melbourne. Um, who who would you? I actually spoke to a radio broadcast. Uh, Adam White, his name is for those if they don't know. He's been in like football media for twenty five years. He said to me yesterday, I'd be interested in your opinion on this, that he has Melbourne and Brisbane as his two top teams, and then Collingwood, like in regards to winning the flag at this point of the season. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts on that comment? And do you sort of see Melbourne and Brisbane being really close to? like winning it in a sense. Yeah. I think Melbourne, Melbourne play a really strong brand of football. They've probably a couple of games this year. They've been inconsistent, but I think if you look over the past three years, they're pr- playing pretty much similar footy. They've got some stars like their list, their list on paper is, it has to be the best in the AFL. Yeah. Has to be, you With know, their trade period too. It's even got even scarier. Yeah. I know. Imagine <laughs> when they bring in the mid season. Yeah, yeah. I know. Everyone wants um, to play there. But I think, I think them, I think, uh, yeah, Collingwood, I don't know about Brisbane. I think they, they play really well at home. Well, Brisbane, and to be fair, that comment's probably right, but Brisbane are the only team that's beaten Collingwood and Melbourne. They've beaten both but at home. But they're both at Gabba. Gabba. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting once they come down to the MCG and play a few times to see if they're legit. But mm. obviously great list. They've got a great team. Um, but I don't know. Collingwood just keep doing man. They just keep finding a way to win. Yeah, I know. They never give up. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things though. Like it's such a long season. Like surely you got to have a dip. Yeah. Like if I was a Collingwood fan, I would, I'd be okay with a dip soon because you want them peaking at the back end, end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and they're, pe- they're peaking now. But those, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's their standard. I think they've just got a great, they've got a great um, game plan. So yeah. it, it doesn't actually matter if one of their players, key players falls out because someone else steps in and they play a really exciting game. But mm. uh, uh, sorry, really exciting brand. But I think the, the best thing that AFL have done over the past kind of 10 years is equalize the competition. Um, I know they set out a goal yeah, 10, 15 years ago, they wanted equalization. Um, they did that through, you know, cutting certain spends at, at the bigger clubs. Um, but if you watch the footy these days, even if North Melbourne are playing, which have been a side that's predominantly been at the bottom of the ladder for the last two, three years, mm. there's still a genuine chance to, you, you don't know who's going to win on game day. So yeah. I think that's really exciting. The, the fact you can tune into any game and you don't know who's going to win. Yeah. Um, I reckon, you know, to the, around the 2000s, you knew, knew you every game you're watching, like who's yeah. going to win. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. There's a clear so bottom eight, clear top eight. Essendon. Yeah. Yeah. Geelong, sure. St. Kilda. Like Absolutely. you had these teams that were, you know, they're pretty much going to win every single week. Do you, actually, it's funny because I've got this opinion with Melbourne on their squad because obviously won in the, uh, was it 2020, 2021? When did they win their flag? 2020? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think with their squad, like they'd want to win two or three in this window. Because like they've, they sh- I think they should win it every year with their team. Yeah. But it's funny you told me when you left them, like that this squad's going to be like a serious team, and yeah. I, I reckon they're on the back end of being pretty, like starting to come okay under Goody, but like they were still not. Yeah. They still hadn't broken the shackles of like Melbourne's terrible. Do you know what I mean? In a yeah, sense. I think they built. They started from the ground up and they just built the list. They, they you know, everything around the club. It was a, it was a big club change. Um, and I think that's going to help them, you know, sustain success, but. If you look at their list and you look at Chris Matraka, Oliver, Viney, Gorn, Grundy, Fucked. May, Fritz, Ben Brown, like you've just got name after name. I think when you've got such great players um, and you can see these players as well, they're not just out there to get touches. Like, you know, you look at your Vineys, he's still tackling. They win every week he's from- getting better. Yeah, Viney. He's a good, he's yeah. a, I mean, he is a great player himself. Yeah, but, yeah, but he's like getting better this year as well. It's yeah. Like good, fucking good on him. So it's good. You know, if someone has a, someone's having a bit of a down, you know, period, they've got guys like Viney that can step up. They've got some young kids that Van Ruin, um, you know, nearly got suspended for spoiling a ball. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tribunal, mate. But good. Yeah, tribunal. No, they, they looked after him. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I was, trying to, I was trying to spoil the ball as they well. look after some. <laughs> not everyone, mate. <laughs> um, no, what, what interesting, and we, I think I spoke before this, I really enjoyed the podcast. Shout out Tommy Mitchell and uh, Ball Magnets because I think they're number one in the country at the moment. But their episode with Josh Gideon Pendles, they spoke about something that's really interesting, I think, to Australian public, but from a soccer perspective, I'm like, it's a no-brainer because it's in every soccer league in the world, is having sort of like a, a playing option from the perspective of now you can start to see, I think it's the bottom three. It was at Hawthorne, West Coast, and who's the other one? On the bottom now? Yeah. And North Melbourne. West Coast. Yeah, West Coast. Yeah, North. those three. So like they're almost out already. Yeah. But in the sense of in, in the football world, you've obviously got a uh, soccer world. You've got playoff uh, relegation and promotion. But also to get promoted, the top two teams in like, so for in, in, instance in England, you've got four leagues. The top two teams automatically go in yeah. uh, the league above. Yeah. But then the next four play off for the third spot. So there was a comment made on the podcast that I was watching and it was saying, wouldn't that, would that be not beneficial well, for the AFL? What would, they, so, what would they be playing for? The well, maybe there? the eighth position, the bottom four, they have a semi Oh, you mean like nine, week. 10, 11, 12. Instead of having a bye week, you might do some sort of play in. Yeah. Because then it creates those dead rubbers actually have a purpose to fight for. Yeah. I like that. I like that. NBA doing it now as well. Well, NBA, yeah. NBA, yeah. like most leagues in the world do it. AFL yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I, I think that's cool. And I think they should do something around the bottom of the ladder around the first draft pick, like a lottery. Yeah. So the, the you know, bottom four playoff as well. And whoever wins gets the, gets the draft pick. Cause it's pretty like, you're probably not going to watch a West coast North game now, but if they were playing for something, yeah, you might watch it. Yeah. You mean from the, so what, whoever finishes ninth, 10th, 11th, well, 12th. Well, something like that. They play like semi-final bang. Yeah. Like, cause they, they take that bye week and then yeah. I'm sure it's a revenue thing for AFL too. Yeah. They'll be making some, yeah. That's cool. Like that. Yeah, like well, yeah. NBA. Lakers well, would AFL, not be in this AFL position AFL looking, without it. AFL looking for a new CEO, aren't they? <laughs> hey, right here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a boys club, mate. <laughs> get in there. Um, what's your, uh, just, yeah, well, what's your top four for this season? Because I know we spoke of some yeah. of those powerhouses, but do you have any luck so far? Because I love, one of my favourite things for people back home is I send Tommy my thoughts on AFL and I just get him to validate and he comes back with this very meticulous view. So I think I've, I've done well for you. A couple yeah, times you have. Now. You've done very well. Let me just look at the current ladder. I think I've got. I know it's there. pies, D's, lines. Are the top yeah, three. I think, I think the, I think the top three are going to stay. Bulldogs are coming as well. Bulldogs are starting to look like a bit of. An yeah, I think Collingwood, team. Melbourne, Brisbane. I'd have to look at the run, but Port, I don't mind Port Adelaide. I think they're strong at home. They're playing. They've got a good game this week. Port Adelaide. Do they play Richmond or is it Geelong? Uh, Richmond, anyway. Essendon. Uh, Richmond, Essendon. So it might be Ge- oh, Port's playing someone decent. That's going to be an. Int- oh, Carlton. I think they're playing Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, big, big game. game. It's a good yeah. test. At Adelaide Oval. Yeah. Well, we'll know the result when this comes out. But yeah. Be interesting. Yeah, top four. So what, what do you feel? Yeah, I'm going to go Collingwood. I'm going to go top four there now. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. really? Yeah, you don't think four. that'll move? I think they'll Who move the around, fourth? but Who I think the Port. Team? Port. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like Port. Ken Hinckley. Yeah, I like Shout Port. out to him. I thought he would, like, people always say this is his last year, yeah. and then he just keeps coming. Yeah. I think the they're my top four that I'm going to go with, because they're going to be decisive. Yeah. But I think... I think Geelong could get back up there and potentially Adelaide. Okay. Interesting. I like Adelaide. Uh, I, just your, Carl, I just hope Carlton makes the finals. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's a, Do you have an opinion on Carlton at the moment? Because they obviously, last year they did the same thing. They started yeah. really well. They seem to have an incredible top end of uh, personnel in regards to like, some of the best players in the comps play for Carlton, but they always seem to slide a bit. Yeah. Like, what do you think there's something there that needs to change? Or is it like, is it, is it a bigger, bigger sort yeah, of it's, problem it's, than we think? It's, it's a hard one. Like, Vossi's only been coached for a small amount of time. Like, I think we're, as a society now, we want things instantly mm. and they want instant success, but you've still got to accommodate the group. 
you know, new coach, you've got new players that have come in, um, you know, and it, it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. And I think yeah. they're trending in the right way. They're playing some amazing football. Watch on the weekend against Bulldogs and like they nearly win the game, but it's just they play a couple of bad quarters and it costs them. Um, but their personnel, I don't think they've ever been at a better spot right now with the personnel they've got. Um, and I think if they can just get the ball to Charlie, man, he's going to win yeah. the Coleman and they're going to yeah. play some, some deep finals footy. Scary forward line, man. Really scary. I've got a few quick fire uh, footy questions for you that I hopefully you're sharp with enough, but some of them <laughs> might make you think. Right, um, but for you, best player you ever played with? Doesn't have to be a big name, but just someone you really admired how they went about it oh. and their actual output. Because some Can things, I, I just quickly on that, some things when you play sport at a high level, you notice some people go to like this heroic status in big moments of games and you're like, fuck, yeah. that guy's a superstar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Can I say two? Two, yeah, yeah. please. Probably Jezza, Jezza yeah. Cameron. Oh, actually, no, nah, there's probably three. I have to go three. Okay. Jezza Cameron. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's, when he first started, his first um, stint of AFL football, it was like a part-time job. <laughs> he, would just, <laughs> he would just rock up and kick goals and play well. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. He was just the biggest country guy ever and yeah. didn't take things too seriously. He was super competitive once he stepped on training or on the footy field when he played. But outside of that, didn't didn't do too much else to uh Did he to struggle his living game. over there? Like for this no, sort of upbringing? No, he liked it. Okay, I think he right. enjoyed Sydney. But definitely by the end, he loved Sydney. Um, so I think Jezza and then also seeing him go, you know, to what he is now is actually one of the best players, if not the best player in the comp. Yeah, most dangerous player. Um, and I just know how he is now, a lot more dedicated to, you know, to his craft. Um, so it's kind of cool seeing that transition. Toby Green. Yeah. Um, yeah, Toby's, Toby's one of the ones where he's just special. You just, there's no one that you'll never get what anyone like him. about him? Because he's not super tall. He's not super quick. Yeah. But he's like, he's, quick. he's actually deceptively is he, quick. Is he really? He's deceptively okay, quick. Really strong. Um, I think he's got a great footy IQ and just a competitive animal. Like okay. animal. Like me and him. Did I tell the story about me and him playing FIFA? Nah. Play FIFA? Nah, but it oh, doesn't surprise to, me. Yeah. Me and him used to punch on all the time. Like, <laughs> like proper, proper punch. I, I'd have broken knuckle one time. Um, and we were playing in uh, Devin Smith and Tay Adams's apartment. And we started playing and um, it was for the chat. I'd beaten him. We used to keep tally on a whiteboard and I'd beaten him in the tallies, but he used to always think he was a better player. And, Probably won't mention this ever again, but if he's watching, he probably had me covered. But I was, oh, that's it was the glitch in the it was glitch in the FIFA game where you could kick, you could just kick goals that weren't realistic in real life. But I just knew some little glitches, so I'd kick goals and he would burn. So we used to play these championship matches, and that was everything, everything on the line. We played this championship match one day, and um, he kicked he kicked a goal. Oh, sorry, I kicked a goal and celebrated. And he hated like taunting. Then he, he kicked a goal celebrating. In the game or in real life, you were celebrating in front of you? No, in front of him. I was giving it to him. Um, and then I kicked a second goal, celebrated again. And then he's kicked another goal. So now it's two all, celebrate, like giving it to me. Like we're almost punch on at this point. And the game's still 60th minute. Anyway, then I get, um, I get a red card. And it's like the 70th minute. Oh, no. Anyway, then he kicks another goal. So he gives up three, two. I got a red card. It's like the 70th or 75th. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not oh, going to win. Red miss starts to Yeah. Come. And I'd thrown a pillow at him earlier when I kicked the goal. So he's screaming. He's grabbed the pillow, thrown it at me. I've darked. The pillows hit the um, the power switch and turned the whole PlayStation off. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> not only, like, I'm saying I want to reset. I want to reset from the game. And he's going, nah, we've got to get back to 70th minute, three, two, red card. And I'm like, nah, we're resetting so the game. He wants to fake the game for 70 minutes do the sort get of get it up so we can go again that's bullshit and I said nah reset like you you fucking you hit the, you hit the PlayStation <laughs> out bro um, anyway so we end up punching on from that I remember like oh I had God. a I had a broken knuckle and we and him in a headlock and Tay Adams and uh, Dev Smith had to split us up but <sighs> I think with Toby like he, he's such a 
he's so loyal to his mates mm. and you know that's that's when he's a little bit younger he's a bit of a menace but um now nah, we used to have some good battles but yeah we used to we used to we used to punch on over FIFA. So you got Jezza, <laughs> you got Jezza, you got Toby, who was a third. And then probably Christian Petrarca. Petrarca, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I played with him. Uh, he was starting to play some really, really good football before kind of my time ended at Melbourne. But to see where it got to now, there's no there's no coincidence. He, he works really hard. He's super dedicated. And I think when he was younger, he was a little bit just more like rock up. Um, you know, on, and just, mate. yeah, just kind of take things not as, not as seriously. Um, and I just feel like... He went through a period where he realized how good he can be. Um, he's super dedicated now. Yeah, man. Like you see him go to Germany with Red Bull and stuff, the training camps. Everything. I think, like, you know, even the way he, he's got his cooking TikTok. Yeah. Give him a little shout out for his cooking TikTok. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's Italian heritage. Yeah, good on him. Um, hardest or toughest opponent you ever played against? Um, Who for you? And I don't reckon it might be the biggest name because you played I don't you played, every, I think, you played quite a wide variety of positions. Yeah. It's probably, I played on Steve Johnson one day, you know, at uh, Skilled Stadium and he kicked, I think he kicked four and had 30 on me. Shit. So okay. it was a tough guy. This is like early days. That was, that was tough. He was, he was a star. He was hard because he doesn't look like the fittest guy. Doesn't look like the quickest guy. Like he's definitely from a um, physique point of view, doesn't look like he's going to uh, be super strong, but man, he was super quick, super fit and super yeah. strong. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, so him, uh, Probably Ablett as well. Ablett was just on another level. You couldn't tackle him at peak Ablett. You would, uh, would Gold Coast. It was a Gold Coast. Yeah, that's what that was like. Peak yeah. Ablett, man. Yeah. So he had forty-eight touches and shit. Yeah, like, he was just doing whatever he wanted. Yeah, like we would tag him and he'd have, th- he'd have thirty and three minimum. Yeah. Like if you could keep him to thirty and three, it was like a win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, exactly. And that team, probably them two. Them two are hard. Oh, good ones. Yeah. What about this one? This one might make you think. I'm, I'm interested to know this, but like a welcome to AFL moment when you're like, holy fuck, like this is the AFL. This is um, this is big. What game? Um, it was a tough one because we played a giant. We never played in big in front of big crowds. Um, but I think no specific one. I remember playing Hawthorne one day. We got beaten by about one twenty, <laughs> and it was at MCG. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, like, the fuck, this is gonna be a long. This is gonna be a long road. You yeah, know what I mean? It's been hard days, early days, man. Yeah. So like those, those I think young those moments have just you know, being super grateful to play football. You, mm. Like if you were going on and get beat by hundred points as much as, you know, hate losing. Um, it was, it was, I was just grateful to be out there and experiencing it. And I played a lot, me and a lot of the other boys played a lot more games than we would have played if we, you know, yeah, if we hadn't yeah. been drafted giants and been drafted to another AFL club. Yeah. So I think just being grateful in that moment. But I think in terms of like when I started playing well, when I started playing some good footy. So in my first year, I think I had a couple of games where I had 28 and then 30, um, you know, I kicked four against North one day. Like, I think the games where you play well is where you, you know, you feel good about yourself. You feel like you're making progress. And yeah. ultimately that's, you know, that's a really good feeling. I love that. I love that. Now we're going to round out with uh, a common question we ask on the podcast. And I don't know if I, we started this trend last time you're on, but we kind of attest three trades to people in sport or business or life that are pretty important and all three together are critical. But the one that stands out to you the most to like sort of make you who you are today out of resilience, drive and ambition, which one would you, would you say is probably more critical to making? Resilience, drive or ambition. Yeah. All are important. Probably drive. Yeah, I, would drive. Say, I would say drive. Yeah. We haven't had drive for a while. There we drive. go. Well, I think um, the ambition one, I think it, well, obviously, you know, all of them are great. Um, but I think if you have ambition without drive, you're not going to get anywhere. The resilience side of things, you know, I think that's something you learn with experience, but initially you don't need resilience to get what you need, but you need drive to get what you need. So that's a good breakdown. 
That is very good. Wow. Like clip that. Mate, <laughs> clip that. Well, look, you might be back sooner rather than later with the 100th ep- episode coming up. <laughs> yeah. But, mate, glad to see you kicking goals in business and life. And uh, third time on the show. It's been a, been a big one, by Bobby Bostock. So thank you, mate. No worries, mate. <laughs> Here we go. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. OzCast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.